0: to the Baseball talk podcast fantasy show i'm your host adam castor here as always my co-host at birdsall mr birdsall saying an intro it's like riding a bike welcome back adam it's been it's been, it's been a minute thank you it's, it's been a minute welcome back uh, how does thank it you. be home it's nice it's nice
1: you know you remember where to put your shoes you know where all the pots and pans are the sofa was left just the way you left it
0: Yep, we're uh, still talking about football. Yeah. Yep. And
1: yep. Yep. all in all seriousness, though, uh, Adam is still going to be on uh and Talk podcast later on this week. We just had a uh, family emergency that Jake had to uh, to attend to. So, Jake, hopefully, uh, hopefully, all as well, uh, my friend. And we will see you. Uh, we'll see you on Friday.
0: Yep. All right. So, do you have one quick question for me, or do I have one quick question for you? I don't at the moment, but. um. Yes, there was a one quick question
1: that I did actually write down and I just forgot to pull it up. So I did write one down, but I just completely forgot to pull it up. So it, again, it it's it's been a day. I have everything else up, but it's the only thing I didn't uh, have up. So if by if this thing wants to work, that would be just super duper. Okay, here it is. So this is from taylor adam better not fuck this up where is taylor from
0: taylor has to be from the stronghold of the basin talk podcast and the basin talk podcast family fancy or the basin talk podcast family of podcasts
1: yes portland oregon great place great place full of great people taylor asks would you rather be At the top or at the
0: back of drafts? Oh, this is a fun, fundamental, philosophical question. Yes. I love it. Yes. So I've been at the top of drafts and my team has been good to bad to mediocre. And I've been at the back of drafts where my team has been good to bad to mediocre. So really, oh, this is going to be such a me answer because it is. It depends on the year. And if they, if it's a strong or like a deep class of running backs and receivers, I'd almost rather be at the back of the draft.
1: We say that it is every year until we get to the draft and we're in the draft and we say, ah, shit, it's pretty fucking thin.
0: Yeah. I I think I'd rather be at the back, but I mean, the top is nice, but I think with the top of the draft, I don't know. It's different. You might be getting a better quality of player, but there's also more risk involved, I guess. You're you're drafting in the top of the draft really based on ceiling a lot of the time.
1: Thank God we actually disagree on one. I would much rather be at the top. Much rather. And I'm not talking about being at the one of the two. I actually find that the one and the, the two, when I have them, my teams are never good. Uh, I just have that. I've had that experience more times than not. Same thing with at the back. 9 and 10 while 10 is nice cuz you have that back-to-back pick and you get you get two guys, two premium guys that that you uh, that you want at the back at the back of the round. Me personally, I've had the most success with teams when I'm drafting 3, when I'm drafting 4, and when I'm drafting 5. Those are the spots where I've found that I've actually been the most successful in leagues. And we actually did a Draft order thing for the Masters this weekend, and the pick that I got is pick five. So I'm feeling pretty good about myself. But then I actually had a uh, a, a a a conference call, so to speak, with the weatherman. So professional, the Bay- yeah. I know, really very professional. And really, it was just two guys bullshitting about uh, about the draft order and what they're going to do. But with uh, the ba- the Basement Talk podcast, weatherman Jared Fagion. And we were, uh, we were just you know spitting shit, and it's a keeper league, so it, it it's different, but at the same time, it definitely is. It, it's pertinent to this where we just were kind of listing off the running backs because it's gonna be very running back heavy early on in in, in drafts, but you get to pick eight or nine. And it it gets a little dicey with with the running backs. Just just listing them off, you know. Let me just pull up. Let me pull up the ranks again. Very unprepared for this podcast. I am just terribly terribly sorry. Let me just go onto my uh, my Fantasy Pros expert portal. Maybe oh. and maybe, maybe I should maybe I should do that and uh, you know get a get a nice of nice course. right bull, nice right bull look at my uh, at my ranks here. By the way, my freshly updated ranks. That I,
0: uh, that I did update today as well. So, while you're doing that, actually, I think another thing that I think of or that I just thought of really that kind of factors in is that really your draft order doesn't really matter as much for the first round. I think for me, I care now, now that I'm thinking about this and having sort of a 4D chess overthinking epiphany, I care more about what I'm doing in the second round, depending completely, on. Completely disagree. I completely, Could you... totally disagree. I know you do, but yeah. I think it's not, I think it it works to have a higher pick in the second round. Also, like you have a late first round pick and then you have the, either the first or second pick in the second round. And then you're getting, I mean, sure. It would be ideal to get the best player in the first round and who most likely will be the best player in the draft at the time anyway, but getting a really good player in the back end of the first round and getting the best player of the second round. Like that's fine. Like I'm good oh. with that. Okay.
1: Let me ask let me ask you this then. Let me, let me put that theory to the test. Would you rather have Austin Eckler and AJ Brown or Najee Harris and Jamar Chase?
0: Oh fuck. Well in full PPR in full PPR. Well, I know that probably the first one is the one that's going to be the back end of the first round, right? Which one? Eckler and Brown are gonna oh, be the no. back. No. Oh
1: no. Eckler, Eckler's uh, my third running back. Oh, full, well then PPR.
0: Then Eckler and Brown.
1: Yeah, that, that's Eckler's going at three in my ranks and AJ Brown is going 17th. Where Najee is going eight and Jamar Chase is going 12th.
0: But I wouldn't be mad at all about Najee Harris and Jamar Chase.
1: No, I would I wouldn't be mad about it, but I also, you know, having having that that's st- steady sort of running back at the top. I I, I kind of like, but going back to the point that I was, I was making before with just looking, looking at the running backs, there are a lot of questions with, with the running backs, Jonathan Taylor. Does he do it again? Derek Henry. Is he healthy? Austin Eckler. Is he healthy? Is age going to be an issue for him? Dalvin cook. Is he healthy? Is age going to be a problem for him? What does the Vikings offense do? look like now with Kevin O'Connell at the helm who comes from a Sean McVay offense where running backs are not an essential part of the passing game. Does doubt, does that part of Dalvin Cook's game just kind of go away? Christian McCaffrey, God, I don't need to say that anymore. We've talked about that a gazillion times. Cam Akers, as much as I love my son, Cam Akers, and he is the love of my life, the apple of my eye. There are definite questions with, with Cam Akers about, How fit is he going to be going into the season, coming off an Achilles injury? Yeah, we saw him in the run-up to the Super Bowl and the eventual Super Bowl win, but it was only in spurts. Now, how is he going to be able to handle a full-season workload if that happens? Najee Harris, what does the Steelers' offense look like? That offense right now, it it could be a mess with Trubisky at the top. Uh, jo- Joe Mixon Joe Mixon actually might be one of the safer ones That may not have a lot of questions Maybe the only question would be Is how much do they pass to Jamar Chase T. Higgins But I think Joe Mixon's still going to get his DeAndre Swift, team's bad Javante Williams, what happens if Melvin Gordon comes back Alvin Kamara, what if the team's bad Nick Chubb has no PPR upside Antonio Gibson, very little PPR upside Aaron Jones, A.J. Dillon problem that it's Leonard Fournette. But Leonard Fournette, we're talking about in round three.
0: Well, I think that also, I mean, Jonathan Taylor, for example, Jonathan Taylor was, ta- was taken at the 9, 10, 11, 12 in drafts, and he turned out to be the best running back in fantasy last year. I mean, is, the, is he the exception? Maybe. You know, you can you can see that. But I think that you're... St- I don't know. With a lot of these question marks, I think that's the thing. Like, all the running backs have question marks. So you are drafting based on ceiling in the first round.
1: See, not me. Not me. I I don't – that just comes down to philosophy.
0: But with me, I always
1: draft on floor in the first round. I always draft on floor. I want to know who's the guy that I think week to week is going to be the safest, who's going to get me those – 17 to 20 points. That I'm really craving out of a first round guy. And that's the guy I'm going to take now. And as you go later and later and later and later, that's when you transition from floor to ceiling. That's when you start taking some shots, but in the first round, it's not the place to take a shot. Uh, it, that's the place you need to figure out. Okay. Okay what's the most comfortable bed to sleep in at night and who's going to be the one that, that tucks me in all nice and safe and warm that's the guy that you go for in the first round not the guy that you're projecting to be the next best thing because yeah Jonathan Taylor we we both liked last year we both liked him but did we re, were we really talking about Jonathan Taylor potentially being the number 1 running back in his rookie year no well wasn't his second year? Sophomore year. Sophomore year. Excuse me. Excuse me. Yeah, sophomore year. The
0: statement still stands, though. We weren't talking about him being the number one running back in his rookie year because Marlon Mack was still there. But, well, yeah.
1: Yeah. We, was, had, the Mar- we had the Marlon Mack problem.
0: But that was two years. That was in 2020. But in 2021, I agree with you. Nobody yeah, was talking 20, about.
1: 2020. 2020. The, the dog days of the pandemic. Where'd that go?
0: Where'd Hopefully that go? far away. Far, Agreed. far away. Agreed. No, well, I think also, especially in PPR, getting a say tier two, high tier two running back, pairing him with a tier one receiver, especially in PPR in three receiver leagues, that's a good, that's a good strategy. I mean, unless you're going zero or you're you're going two RB this year, which is of a, a like, I mean, that might be my philosophy. I think you have to go. I, I think you
1: have to go two RB. Because the, the running backs run out so quick. Yeah. Just in the top 20 picks, because going off of my ranks, 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11 picks inside my top 20 are running backs. And then after that, you have just from 20 to, we'll say to 40 in my ranks, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, seven running backs between 20 and 40.
0: Well, what's your what are the nine players that are not running backs in your top 20 picks? Cooper Cup,
1: Justin Jefferson, Devontae Adams, Jamar Chase, Stephon Diggs, AJ Brown, Travis Kelsey, Debo Samuel, Mark Andrews. That's in full PPR. Okay. In half, in half, it might be a little bit different. Let me let me just have a look in half. So in half, I have four seven 11 12. I have 12 running backs inside my top 20 and a half with the nons being cup Jefferson Adams Chase Diggs Brown Kelsey Debo gotcha I I me personally I just think that double running back is going to be the move for a lot of people just because receivers so deep like if we go back to the 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 PPR ranks, Like, I don't know. Let's just say, let's just say you're at, let's just say you're like me and you're at five, right? You could go and say the top four is as is. Say it's Jonathan Taylor, Derrick Henry, Austin Eckler, Dalvin Cook. Then at five, you have the choice of Cooper Cup, Christian McCaffrey, Najee Harris, Cam Akers, Justin Jefferson, Joe Mixon, DeAndre Swift, maybe, probably not. Say I take say I take McCaffrey there. Let's let's just say take McCaffrey there. You would never do that. N- definitely not. But then you go to 15. I take McCaffrey at five. I could take Javante Williams or Alvin Kamara at 15. Boom. I have both my running backs locked up. And we're doing this off of a two-receiver league because two receiver leagues are more common uh, these days than three. But you know, just based off of the, the two receiver setup, I'm starting with McCaffrey and Javante. And then the next round, the receivers I'd be looking at at 25 overall, looking at Deontay Johnson, Jalen Waddle, Mike Evans, D.K. Metcalf, DeAndre Hopkins, T. Higgins, D.J. Moore. It's a good group of receivers to choose from. I could take Deontay Johnson, and then at 35, I could be looking at T. Higgins, D.J. Moore, Chris Godwin, Amari Cooper, who I, who I absolutely love. So you could start a draft at five, going running back, running back, receiver, receiver, with McCaffrey, with Javante, with, uh, who the hell did I say? T. Higgins, and then with Amari Cooper, I would love that.
0: Well, yeah, I'm happy with being in the middle of drafts. Also, middle to back, I'm totally cool with that. You know, I I'd be okay.
1: I don't want to be extreme front or extreme back. Obviously, if I get number one overall, I'm not gonna complain because I mean that's just Jonathan Taylor, and, and boom, you know, you're you're good. But I I always say just be careful that number one, um, overall guy. Because very rarely do number ones repeat, so it. it I, I mean, I know uh, Jared. Jared got the number one pick, and he's taking Derrick Henry.
0: He's it's good, already it's say, a good pick.
1: He's already said he's taking Derrick Henry, and I'm like, hey, I I I don't blame you.
0: Yeah, I mean, if Derrick Henry plays a full 17, Derrick Henry's got to be yeah. probably. I mean, unless he just breaks down completely, which is always a factor. But
1: well, also also in this in this uh, keeper league i'll also present this situation to you before we get into the uh, to the draft stuff so i was just kind of doing i was putting like my keepers into uh into the fantasy pros uh draft server today just like so i can kind of have them and do mocks around them and actually you know what let me try and act let me try and pull that up because i would just i'll just read them i'll read them out if i can get there but the amount of running backs that were being kept based on just kind of my guessing, was kind of crazy. Like, I was really just, I was shocked. So, I'll just look at the guys that are going to be kept, uh, that are the running back. So, Joe Mixon, James Conner, Michael Carter, J.K. Dobbins, Javante Williams, Cam Akers, Elijah Mitchell. Those are mine, by the way. Elijah and Cam, my guys. Um, let's see. Is so it's seven. Are there any more? And then Leonard Fournette is eight. Those are eight running backs right there that are going to be kept. If we go and compare them side-by-side side with the ranks, with my ranks, we have Cam kept, Joe Mixon kept, Javante kept, Leonard Fournette kept, Michael Carter kept, Elijah Mitchell kept. These are all guys that are inside my top 24. Carter, Connor, Mitchell, Fournette, Javante, Cam Akers, and Joe Mixon. All guys inside my top 24 with four of them, excuse me, five of them being in my top 15.
0: Okay. That I mean, is,
1: that is I a guess. lot.
0: I think this is the same conversation that we've been having for the past like two years now, where it's running backs. You got to take running backs early and often because they're not there as much. And I get especially it. Especially here, especially in, the, in this, in this scenario. And keepers what? like, who, who are you going to, if you didn't keep a running back, a top, like an RB one or RB two, what are your options? You have no options, it seems like.
1: Well, the other interesting scenario, which is is currently being played around and being considered, is the owner of Jonathan Taylor can keep him for a first-round pick. He has the 10th overall pick. So he could very easily say at 10, you know what? I don't have anybody else that I want to keep. I'm not going to get a good, good enough running back at 10. I'm just going to keep Jonathan Taylor for my first round pick. Boom, done. And then he gets a, he gets a, the pick right at the turn, and I get to pick somebody in the second round. So he has back-to-back first of the round picks, top of the Correct. round picks. Correct. He's right, he's right at the 1-2 turn. He could very easily just take away Jonathan Taylor from the top two, keep him at, keep him at 10, and he would just have one pick at the turn.
0: So he could basically can start- have, like, Jonathan Taylor and, like, who would be there? Kamara probably. Joe Mixon.
1: Joe Mixon would be kept. It would, it would be if he's going running back. It would probably be a choice of Jonathan Taylor and and probably Kamara and Gibson and Aaron Jones.
0: Or you could pick like was Devontae Adams kept? Nope. Or kept? Nope.
1: No cup. No, Devonte Adams is not kept. But if you if you wanted to go receiver, he could because he's also keeping Jamar Chase.
0: Oh, he would be – well, who's he – what's that pick for Jamar Chase? Like a tenth. Oh, oh my god! Like a tenth,
1: something stupid.
0: He could have Jonathan Taylor, Jamar Chase, and Devontae Adams. Yep. Theoretically. Yep. Oh, that's, that's crazy. That's diabolical, as you would like to say. It's not bad. It's not bad. Now, whether – I mean, he's also very
1: fickle about – you know, he likes to keep guys at discount. So I don't know if he would be you know big brain enough to, well, that, uh, to that's a to discount think about it That's a discount it
0: is a discount but that's I don't know he, I don't know if
1: he would see it that way I don't know if
0: he would see it that way. you gotta think I would that, oh I would do that if I had yeah. if that opportunity was presented to me I would do that yeah I, mean, I would. Think about it you're you have a guy who is going first overall or second overall in most places you're getting him. Eight picks later than you probably should if it was a non-keeper draft. Mm-hmm. How is yep. that not a net positive for you? And you lock and you lock up
1: the need to have a number one running back with a guy that you drafted in round two. Plus,
0: yeah, you, you also that. prevent you prevent other people from getting Jonathan Taylor.
1: Correct. You 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 prevent you prevent having one of the top guys get Jonathan Taylor. And you cause a bit of a panic at the top where you have all these running backs that are pushed up one. So, yeah. like I, I I the guys that I'm kind of zeroing in on with that five pick would be Dalvin Cook, Austin Eckler, Najee Harris. Those are like the three that I think will be there. Take away Jonathan Taylor from that. There's a potential I don't have one there
0: or two there. Yeah, because I mean, how many picks are going to be in the first round in that draft? Five, maybe? Like no I, people.
1: I, I, no, everyone right now has their, has their first round pick. Okay, everyone has the first one has their first round pick. I think the most expensive keeper would be Mixon for a second, but that's the guy. That's the guy that's at the number one overall pick. So he would have Derek Henry and Joe Mixon.
0: Keeper leagues are fun. I should do. I should do one of those.
1: They're very fun. They are. They are quite quite fun.
0: If a spot opens up in one of your six million leagues. Let me know. It's the only keeper league I do. Really, it's the only one. Yep. Do you do? You don't do dynasty though, or you do do dynasty?
1: I might be doing a super flex dynasty this year. I might. I might. I don't know. It, it just really comes down to a) if there are enough people that would want to do it, which it's very early on, and b) do I want to add one more league to the rotation of what I'm doing? And it's also going to be pricey.
0: <laughs> well, I'm sure
1: I, <laughs> I got the buy-in fee for it. I nearly had a stroke.
0: Oh my god! Was yeah. it like, like porterhouse at Brian and Cooper kind of expensive? Uh, uh, Two fifty. Oh, yeah, it's more expensive than that. By the yeah. way, the porterhouse at Brian Cooper is delicious. Love Brian Cooper.
1: Yeah, my my, my buddy went to Brian and Cooper a couple weeks ago and got the prime rib, and he sent me pictures of it. But I was very jealous.
0: Yeah, we go there every year for my dad's birthday. That's a good place to go. So good.
1: It's a good place to go. Now you're making me me hungry. Fuck you, Adam.
0: You're making me hungry. I'm making me hungry also. Good. Good. I hope you starve. So fuck me too, I guess. I hope you starve. (laughs) Yeah. Well, the best part about Brian Cooper also is that they have a butcher shop on location. So you can just go and get the meat and make it yourself. And it's still good. Oh, my God. (sighs) Adam, you're killing me. I'm just saying. I haven't eaten yet.
1: I mean, me neither. Yeah. Me You're either. killing me. Slowly,
0: it's very good. I'm just. I'll just say that.
1: Oh God, thanks, Adam. I've
0: never been to Luger's though.
1: Oh, Luger's is Luger's is, is very very good. A little little overrated, but but good.
0: You know how like your experiences are like shaped by your parents, and like if they had a bad experience in a place, then they won't take you there. Yeah.
1: Yeah, but a lot of those places I go to anyway.
0: Well, anyway. So, well, the reason I never went with my parents or anything like that is because my dad went there and he's like, this place sucks. That's a, that's a terrible take.
1: I can't say it sucks. Can't say it sucks. I love Luger's, but it he is a little, if he, if he said overrated, I, I would have said, okay, fair. But sucks, sucks. No, I can't
0: say Well, that. those weren't his words exactly, but he was just like, yeah, you know, it's not that great. He didn't have a great time there. That's the reason. Why uh, we never went to we never really ordered in from uh, so I don't know how often you go to Port Washington, but once in a blue moon. So Salvatore's Dave. Portnoy. I
1: I do know Salvatore's
0: Salvatore's that asshole. Dave Portnoy did a pizza review there.
1: Yeah, yeah, not a fan of him.
0: No, me neither. But anyway, so Salvatore's delicious pizza. But my dad doesn't like it, so we never really ordered in from there. But it is I, so fucking good. Yeah, I do know Salvatore's is is, is quite good. Pizza in a bag. Who would have thought? They okay, yeah, they'll they'll give it to you in a box. They give it to you in a bag. In a bag. Yep. Right yep. on the plate.
1: Right on the paper plate. Oh. That's the way it should be served. Where the where you could have where you could push it down and you can have all the grease absorbed into the bag. Perfect.
0: Also, I just love margarita pizza in general. Um it's mid. Really? It's mid. It's a hot take
1: it's good it's good it's not like it's not my preferred but
0: no I, well i would always prefer like a big big ass new york slice as big as my head like that sort of thing a neapolitan neapolitan you yeah, get it from Uber, like
1: a Who hurricane with neapolitan they should just be they no no i mean sicilian is is the way i would normally go sicilian's pretty good i do love being a nice sicilian slice fuck oh this is not good I'm starving now. I'm sorry. Ah, oh, crap! i will definitely make myself a nice steak after this. I can't wait.
0: Yeah, they don't have pizza like that in Utah. I'll tell you that. No, they don't have big New York slices, big thin New York slices. They just not a, not a thing. It's the water. It's the water. It's How's different. That? It's the water, but it's different. It's a different style of pizza. Also, like it just looks different. Like if I got, if, it, it, if, if I look- got a, so if I got a pie from like a pizza place, I usually, I get like a pie from like a, this place a couple blocks away. It doesn't look the same as if I got a pie from like Geno's or something back home.
1: I mean, it doesn't have to, it doesn't have to look the same. Like there's, there's a pizza place in, in Carolina that we, that we go to whenever we, we go down there and the owner of the pizza place has water imported from New York. He buys the water that he uses to make the, the yeast, the dough, all from New York. He has it shipped to Carolina. And he I think uses it is the water. He uses the New York water. And it tastes like New York pizza. Yeah. It tastes exactly the same. And they do
0: so well. It's crazy. Well, yeah, because New York pizza is delicious. Exactly. Literally, the most questions I get at work are people like, So, what's your favorite pizza place? Have you found a good pizza place here? Because they, it's like, it's like I'm from Mars. And like, what's the best Martian food around here? Like I'm the,
1: <laughs> no, there's, there's and anybody who wants to say Chicago pizza is better. No, no, sorry. Take that, take that take and shove it where the sun doesn't shine.
0: Yeah, I'm not a, not a fan, but anyway, let's get into these. Uh, speaking of. Well, not, we didn't really talk about anything related to this, but let's just get into the offensive tackles and offensive guards and centers that we're looking at in this upcoming draft. A lot of a lot of good players, not as deep, I don't think, as the 2020 draft, as far as just offensive linemen in general. Um, but it's up there.
1: The 2020 draft was really, really deep. And this is a I think this is a deep. A deep class as well, Um, but not as deep, not as deep, but it's deep. It's relatively pretty deep.
0: Yeah. All right. So starting off with the tackles here, who is in your top five or who is your top five in regards to tackles?
1: So at number five, I have Charles Cross out of Mississippi State. At number four, I have Tyler Smith out of Tulsa. Number three, I have Trevor Penning out of the University of Northern Iowa. Number two, I have Evan Neal out of Alabama. And then number one, Ike Aquanu out of NC State.
0: Okay. Well, Ikem Mokwano and Evan Neal are two guys that are definitely rumored and projected to be going in the top 10 in this draft. I mean, yes. I've yes. seen them mocked to the Jets, to the Giants, to any team that may or may not need an offensive lineman, as I like, here, you're going to have them.
1: I think, and this isn't an insider information, this is just me spitballing, I would absolutely crucify the New York Giants if they do not take Icky Aquana with one of their picks. He fits what they want to do, Perfectly. He is in 2022, 2021, last year, he was the most dominant run blocking, run blocking tackle in the entire country. Period. There was nobody better than Icky Aquano. He had, in my count, when I watched his tape, he had 18 or so big time blocks, which was infinitely more than any other tackle that is in this class by a significant amount. So any team that has a heavy run setup that wants to run the ball, that wants to take pressure off of their young quarterback, wink, wink, should be looking at Kwanu to help that offensive line grow. And when I say wink, wink, I'm not talking about the Jets, because I think the Jets,
0: I was gonna say, they like don't the Jets need have to be two, taking. Two, the Jets have
1: two tackles. Yeah, they don't, they, don't need, they don't need tackles. I think Aquanu, I, I've said it all along, I think Aquanu can play guard at the next level if a team wants to put him there. But the more and more that I've watched him, the more and more that I've said, yeah, this this guy is an all-pro tackle for the next 10 years, given his size, given his strength, and given his ability to just move people at the line of scrimmage. That's just what's what he does best. And he is just he's violent. And that's what that's what I that's what I love. The power that he has is just ridiculous. And it all it all stems with him through his hips. That when those hips really get moving and they really you know activate defensive linemen just move backwards. And let's not say that uh Kwanu was in a in a bad Conference or anything like that. I know Jake and I, we talk about it all the time. Competition is never something that we want to necessarily talk about, but it, it's sort of a, a tiebreaker. With Ikea aquanu he was in the ACC. He was playing against Clemson. So he has that big game sort of feel. And his highest graded game on my chart was against Clemson. So if you want to talk about, Ike and where he really stood out the most, look at the look at the Clemson game and look at the Mississippi State game. Those are two teams, probably the best two teams that he played on his schedule, and that's probably where he stood out the most. Where are his pros? Like I said, the run blocking. That's where he absolutely excels. He's got long arms, which really help and aid in that run blocking. I guess What's the word I'm looking for there? Uh, Technique, run blocking, uh, expertise, expertise, technique, technique. Technique. Yeah, that works too. We talk about the power it generates from his legs and the hips. It's it's a sight to behold on film. Now the negatives in pass protection needs work. Needs work in a big way. He he's not necessarily the most agile guy in the world either. So I don't think you'll necessarily see him as someone that's going to be used as a swing tackle or someone that's going to be... You're not going to see Ikiakuanu running downfield and making blocks. That's just not his game, which is why I think he does translate to being a guard much better in the National Football League.
0: Maybe it's like an Eric Flowers situation where he might be not... All- I don't want to project failure on anybody, but if he doesn't succeed as a tackle, maybe he'll be better as a guard. If that's the case. Well, I
1: know, I know there are a lot of teams that have him on their board as, as the number one guard. I also know that there are teams that have him as a number one tackle. It just come, it comes down to, you know, what they see in him. My pro, my pro comp for him, I thought stood out right away. And it's a guy that, you know, quite well, that's Kolechio Semeli. I think that th- this guy is your
0: prototypical day one guard? I, I was don't know. Say, like you're not even. You're not. Your comp isn't even a tackle. That's interesting. No, I think it's a guard. I, I think it's a guard. Can he play tackle? Like I said, yes. Also, can. we don't talk about Kalujius Emily.
1: But, well, fair,
0: fair. But it's <laughs> someone you know
1: quite well. But a guard, I think Ikiakwano is is just he can excel at guard. But either, either or, I think you 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 get him, you automatically have a guy that's going to improve your running game tenfold.
0: Okay. Which for a team like the Giants, they have to do. Yep. So what about Evan Neal, the other guy that's looking to be drafted the first round here?
1: I almost think that this is probably your complete opposite to Iki Aquano. Well, he's a so you're thinking he's more of a pure tackle. Yes, he is a pure tackle through and through. You want a guy who is going to be protecting your quarterback's blindside for the next 10 years? It's Evan Neal, physically ridiculous. This guy is an all around tackle. There's no, nothing in my mind that suggests, oh, maybe you can play him at guard. No, he is a starting NFL tackle. His experience at both left and right tackle is going to aid him.
0: He's a and tall think- dude.
1: Yeah, he's, he's a freak. 6'8", 337, and he moves like he's 270. He, he can move. And I think the one thing with him as well, just based on people that I've talked to around Alabama football, is this is your prototypical locker room guy. That you're talking about character. You're talking about a leader. That's Evan Neal. And Jake made this point on the last episode that we did. and. I, it really has stuck with me a lot because he's a hundred percent right. That when we do player analysis, we don't necessarily look at the person, we look at the player, and that's it. We don't take into account who the human being is, right? You want a guy that is going to be a hundred percent high character, he's going to have no issues off the field, he is going to be as spick and as spam as they come. Evan Neal, that's your guy. He is going to be a pro's pro at the next level, and he's a day one starter for me right off the bat. The only thing that he does have to work on a little bit is I I think his balance was a little off, so he 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 would get beat a couple times against better edge rushers that have a more advanced first move. So something I think that he'll have to work on a little bit, especially going into the NFL where a pass rushers arsenal is a bit more advanced, but, every that,
0: edge but rusher, that'll come with even, experience. Even the shitty edge rushers have advanced moves.
1: Yep. Yeah. I, he, he struggled. He struggled a lot when it came to just very simple stunts, which to be you know, you're going to have to improve on, but that's, that's very easy. Any offensive line coach is going to get it, get their hands on him and it's going to be their wet dream.
0: Well, I think that the thing with balance is just when you're dealing with a frame that I would just unnatural almost where people that tall shouldn't be that heavy. Like if we're talking about normal humans, normal humans shouldn't be that heavy anyway, but, you know, just dealing with that and kind of being in your early twenties and dealing with a large frame like that, I mean, it would make sense that he would have some balance issues. And I think, you know, this is just me speculating, but you know, as he gets older and kind of grows into it, gets more used to his body like that, then he'll be even better in the NFL.
1: Well he also slimmed down 15 pounds, which is nuts because during this during the the season he was listed at six, seven and a half, three fifty. And he weighed in at the combine at 6'8, 337. Right. So he he lost a bit of weight, which is, I mean, they're offensive linemen. I'm not going to go after a guy based on how on how you know how wide they are. But Evan Neal is just he's he's built like a brick shit I ass. Mean, he's a big boy that can move. We talked about Iki Aquano and how he struggles with the agility part. Evan Neal is your prototypical get out, lead the convoy, open holes for your running back on outside runs. That's what Evan Neal succeeds at the most. And in pass protection, he is impeccable. Impeccable in, in pass protection.
0: Oh, if only the Jets didn't have two tackles. I would just be like, uh, George, would you or or maybe Makai, would you be interested in playing guard?
1: Well, hey, I mean they, they always could they always could end up trading Makai Becton. I know Jake wouldn't be too happy about that, but
0: me neither. He would be the ultimate buy low.
1: I know Dallas, Dallas should be jumping all over that. That's the case, but they're not trading Makai Becton. I mean they've, Hubious, they've already uh, they've yeah. already turned down two proposals for Makai Becton, the saucies and the Jets. Yeah, no, they're not gonna trade him. No. No. There this was, is
0: not like a Jamal Adams, we're not gonna trade him. This is like a we're not gonna trade him.
1: Yeah, there were there was some speculation that Seattle even asked for Mikai Beckett in any trade for DK Metcalf and the Jets just kind of said no.
0: Yeah, that would be not good.
1: Yeah, well the Jets the Jets did offer a package around 10, centered around 10 to Seattle for DK Metcalf. And the Seahawks told the Jets, you know. Politely go fuck yourself.
0: With the way that the receiver trademark is going, I mean, at this point, just 10 could have got DK Metcalf if we're going by other trade packages for receivers. Well, clearly not. I And I think if
1: there's one receiver that they're going to trade, I think it's Lockett. I don't think it's Metcalf. I have a really, really hard time thinking that AJ Brown, DK Metcalf, Debo Samuel, guys that are 24 23 years old aren't just going to be traded. Like you look at Devontae Adams, Tyreek Hill, they're 29. They're getting their last big contract. These guys, DK, AJ Brown, Debo, they have so much more in the tank. You trade, you trade them. It's like, why, what are you, what are you doing? So I, I think me personally, I think the jets really had their opportunity with Tyreek Hill and it just kind of fizzled out. Unfortunately, so now their best bet is just go into the drafting and get your receiver because I really struggle to believe that Metcalf, Brown, or Samuel will be traded in this, in this offseason. I really struggle to believe it. I know a All lot right. of a lot of people in the, the industry feel the same way as I
0: do. Well, yeah, I mean, you do have a fair amount of uh, contacts there, so it makes sense.
1: Fair bit. Fair bit. I actually, I actually don't have a lot around the Jets. I have a few, but I, I don't have as many as I do with uh, with a lot of the other teams. I mean, Dallas is just. I have too Obviously. many. I have too Obviously, many. I have too many. It's dumb.
0: Man, why don't you uh, give me uh, Tom Archer's phone number, maybe. Mm. Or if Todd Archer. Me. Sorry, if you if you ask nicely. Well, now now I'm definitely not gonna get because I called him Tom Archer instead of Todd Archer. Well, well,
1: Todd Todd Archer, definitely definitely would not want that. No. Well, I can I can give you Tom Archer's number.
0: Who is Tom Archer?
1: I'm I'm sure there's a Tom Archer out there somewhere.
0: No, it's fine. I'm good. Okay. Uh, the, anything else you want to talk you want to talk about the other three tackles, or do you want to move on to guards here?
1: Yeah, I'll hit on I'll hit on the other the other three uh, very quickly. I do want to talk about Cross, who is becoming a favorite of many in the draft community and is not really necessarily a favorite of mine. The big jump that he had in 2020 to 2021, where he went from being an outside 200 graded tackle in the country to being top 20 in 2021, a little bit concerning for me. I just have concerns that maybe he's not going to be able to repeat that at the next level, but he became a dominant pass protector in 2021, struggled a little bit uh, with runs. So I, I want to see him improve in the run game, but as far as pass protector goes, uh, Charles Cross is, he was as smooth as they came in 2021. But like I said, I really want to see why he was able to make such a jump from where he was in 2020, where his film was absolutely terrible, to 2021, where he was top 20 in the country as far as greater tackles are concerned. With Trevor Penning, much of the same story as your Ike Aquanu, uber physical run blocker, six foot seven, 325 pounds. He had a 99 run blocking grade, albeit against very not great FCS competition, but with PFF, that's the highest they've ever given a grade to anybody, 99, which is just unbelievable that he was able to, to get that. So he, he's a guy that's going to be taken, I think, in, in in that first round. And people might go, some from Northern Iowa going in the first round, Trevor Penning is, he's a physical specimen and that's what you're getting. There you go at him. Another end up the word that you, you don't like specimen mm. specimen, mm. but that's what Trevor Penning is. He, they're he, human he beings.
0: Is a, don't talk about them like they're in Petri dishes. It's weird.
1: Oh, I mean, I have a lot more coming with, with Tyler Smith. One of my favorites. Uh, no, so. well,
0: I think before you move on to that, first of all, I love you. Well, he just committed his third. He he's committed third three errors. In this Mets Phillies game. He's amazing. Nice. Anyway, uh, my question about FCS competition and just competition in general, when you're dealing with um, especially offensive linemen, do you think it holds more weight with offensive linemen because you have got, they're going up against guys, defensive ends, defensive tackles that aren't as refined as far as like skill sets are concerned? And even the other way around, when you're looking at defensive players, where it's like, well, they're going up against offensive linemen who are going to be accountants or lawyers after in their four years instead of going to the NFL?
1: Great question, Adam. And, and I think that's where competition does kind of come into the mix is people will look at Trevor Penning and they'll say, well, he was going against FCS competition, not even FBS. FCS level competition. Like if we look at Trevor Penning's game log,
0: if Even I for can quarterbacks that have done well against FCS competition, somebody that's near and dear to your heart went to an FCS school. I'm sure, you know who this man is. Somebody near and dear, You don't know this. Near he, and dear to my heart. He's a current analyst for a major television program. No. Went to the same school as Jimmy G.
1: Oh, uh, Oh, uh. That one went, woo! All he, all, he, all he needed to say was he went to the same school as uh, Jimmy G, and that's when, bing, light bulb. Yes, yeah, yes. My, 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 my friend, Mr. Tony Romo. What a guy! Yeah. But in any event, if we're looking at the top level of competition that Trevor Penning went up against this year, and this is just going off of uh, the PFF game grades he got a 67.8 against iowa state his top two games were against youngstown state and sacramento state and western illinois take that take that for what you will but his tape was impressive very 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 impressive and i'm I, I'm I'm a fan, but he, he was, he was like a man playing out there against, against boys, you know, c- quite frankly. So,
0: you know, well, take I mean, that... in some cases he might've been.
1: Oh, more than likely again, like you said, these are guys that probably don't have many uh, aspirations. towards going into the NFL and then there's this six, seven, 325 pound beast. That's going to be a first round pick. And he's just moving earth uh, for lack of a better phrase. But then for Tyler Smith, it, the run blocking for, with him. Oh, my God. I, unbelievable. You want to play him at guard? At guard? Done. You want to play him at tackle? Cool. I think I think he ends up at guard just because the pass protecting was not the best that I saw. It was almost – it was like a step below Ike Aquanu, where it was good, but there was a lot of things that needed to be worked on. But I think at guard – you have your guy and that's why i think dallas i think tyler smith is the perfect fit for dallas plug him in at left guard they lost Connor williams in free agency plug tyler smith in at left guard right next right next to uh tyler biotish at center and then uh, tyron smith at left tackle you have zach barton on the other side and uh terrence sharp at right tackle and boom there's your offensive line for dallas it's done
0: all right cool Okay, so let's move on to guards, and this is this and center are the two positions that I'm looking at as a Jets fan, especially center, because Jets need a center like a like anything, like they really really need a center.
1: And I I will definitely say that the guard and the center position is not as deep as it's been in previous years. There's there are guys there are guys for sure, but it's not as deep. I think tackle is absolutely your position where you're going to find your your guys that. You know, you'll be starting guys that are in round three, round four on on in week one. Um, but then I know people that are also put Iki Aquano and Tyler Smith in a guard. And then, you know, you add those two to guard and you say, OK, guard is then pretty deep because then you have four names in, in a guard, potentially five that uh, could, that are pretty good and could be start. Uh, opening night worthy for NFL teams and the, the two that I mentioned in. Uh, Iki Aquano and Tyler Smith then with Zion Johnson who's my number one guard Kenyon Green's my number two guard Cole Strange my number three guard I think he definitely has some potential there Dylan Parham at four out of Memphis and then Thayer Munford out of the Ohio State University
0: gotcha I was actually going to make the make a bad joke about that where it's like even the tackles who could play guard are better than the actual players listed as guards
1: some are, some yeah. are, but it also well, comes down to what they excel at. They yes, if you're if you're an elite run blocker, you have you have an immediate home at guard. No, no matter where you're best at, elite run blocker, you translate to guard. Period.
0: Yeah. All right. So Zion Johnson out of Boston College. Yep. What do you got on him?
1: Um. For me, this is a guy that he could play anywhere along the offensive line. He wanted to play a tackle. He can do it. He wanted to play a guard. He can do it. You wanted to be a center. Got it. I think he translates to his natural position, which is guard. For me, out of all the offensive ta- all offensive linemen, I won't even say tackles, guard, center. Offensive linemen, period. This is your safest bet. Right here, there are no questions for me about zion johnson the only thing maybe and this is being extraordinarily nitpicky is there are little lapses in concentration and his explosiveness at the snap is lacking a little bit but really he is just an all-around superb guard technique perfect frame perfect at the at the knees and at the legs and the hips, fluid as you like. When you get him up high and you're really grabbing at pads, he's gonna dominate you anywhere you look at it. He absorbs contact and he delivers blows at at already at an NFL level. And with him, everything is just so calculated in his movements, and he's never really gonna get beat, like truly, truly beat, because of how smart he is with how, where he is with his overall body as well, which is something that really, really impressed me uh, off, off of the jump. And um, I was talking to somebody and I, I really didn't have a comp for him, but this is actually, I was talking to this person yesterday and I was talking to them about Zion Johnson. Cause I knew that I was going to be doing the show in the next day or two. And this person that I talked to is an offensive line uh, guru. So I asked him, I said, you know, as it pertains to Zion Johnson, because he also was or is in a mock that I haven't released yet. And I don't know if I'm going to release it, but in this mock, I did have Zion Johnson going to Dallas and I asked him and I said, you know, who is Zion Johnson to you? And the answer that he gave me was a guy who you are very familiar with and in a good way. And that is Lakin Tomlinson. Ooh, very consistent. You know what you're going to get. May not have the all-pro ceiling that maybe you're looking for, that maybe Kenyon Green has, but the floor is as steady as they come, and he is just going to be a rock-solid NFL player for the next decade plus.
0: Yeah, I get that. And I love the signing of Lakin Tomlinson for for the Jets. And just like a guy – I agree. I mean, the draft, just like fantasy drafts, you know, you're drafting a lot of guys. Draft a lot of teams. Draft based off of floor, and some teams dra- ba- uh, draft based off of ceiling. So, if you're drafting off of floor. It seems like Zion Johnson is the guy here, but Kenyon Green. I mean, he's somebody that is interesting. Playing for uh, Texas A&M, he's the guy. You know, the opposite of the strength of competition, where he's going up against the best the SEC has to offer especially in the sec west going up yep. against alabama lsu ole miss and you know he and this the texas a&m team was in the hunt for the well not was it this year or last all the years last year
1: last year they were they were in the hunt
0: was it it was 21 right yeah twenty one. They, they were number six okay that's what yeah. i thought so, yeah, so last year they were in the hunt for the college football playoff, playing the buzzsaw that is the SEC West. What did you see for Kenyon Green?
1: So his worst tape by a lot was when he went up against Alabama. And, you know, you could say, you know, for what it is, it's Alabama. I get that. But with, with Kenyon Green, there there's three tapes with him that I watched. One is right guard tape two, his left guard tape, and three, his left tackle tape. Right guard and left tackle, I was unimpressed. I thought he was stiff. I thought his movement was really lacking. I didn't really see a guy that people were crazy over. There are a lot of people who really like Kenyon Green, and I was relatively unimpressed. But then the left guard tape, and I was like, wow. Like you want to talk about a guy that finally at right guard and left tackle he was getting a little bit outmaned, a, a tiny, tiny bit, and then when he really focused on that power that he has and the movement skills as well for someone's three hundred and twenty five pounds, and he was able to utilize that at left guard. Holy smokes, unreal, unreal at left guard, but. The movement skills that I saw at left tackle that he that I was able to see at guard weren't there. He was stiff when I when I watched him at left tackle. So I don't think that he's a tackle at the next level has played right tackle can play right tackle. I just don't think that that's where his best fit is. I think he's a natural guard. That's where I think he is most likely going to play at the next level. But as he potentially gets bigger, gets more experienced at the NFL level, there's the possibility that he could shift out to to tackle. But I think day one, I think he is a he is a guard. But there are people that will say he's, he should be a first round pick. There are people that are going to say he's probably no more than a day two pick. And we're and we're going to see if those people are right because there's going to be there's going to be a run on offensive tackles in in this draft because you look at the teams that are in the twenties and in, in, in the 30s in that first round, a lot of them need offensive linemen. You look at Buffalo, you look at Kansas City, you look at Pittsburgh, you look at Dallas, you look at New England, you look at Buffalo, all need offensive line help. So it wouldn't surprise me one bit if Kenyon Green, despite me having him as a day two prospect, it would not shock me one bit if we're talking about Kenyon Green after night one of the draft as someone who's selected.
0: Yeah, I mean, the crazy thing about Texas AM is that he Kenyon Green and his offensive line teammates had to go up against two top 12 edge rushers in practice. Yeah. In DeMarvin Leal and Michael Clemens. How create? I mean, that you want to talk about training yourself for the big time for the next level.
1: And Michael Clemens is one of my favorites. And we'll we'll be talking mm-hmm. about him when we get to the edge rushers for sure. Cause he is he is a favorite of mine.
0: But I I just thought it was fascinating because, you know, I was looking and seeing some of, if any of the defensive ends that he came, that he went up against in the SEC uh, made it onto the projections. I was like, wait a minute. That's two Texas A&M players in the top 12 for defensive end. Holy shit. Yes, sir. Yeah. Uh, But anyway, the other guys, you know, not to kind of, take the wind out of their sails or kind of play down their importance. But uh Dylan Parham, Cole Strange, and uh Munford. Thyre Munford, Munford was
1: the was the only one was the other one that I have. I mean Thyer Munford is just he, he he's a large man. 6'6, 330. Had a big drop off from his 2020 film to his 2021 film. So that's something that definitely hurt his stock uh, a tiny bit. Uh, with Dylan Parham the reason why I have him at 4 I know people actually have him at 2 but they also translate Dylan Parham as to being a right tackle. I don't think Dylan Parham is a right tackle in the National Football League. He played right tackle in 2020 and that was his best film. But he's a little small to be playing right tackle in the National Football League 6-3-3-10 and I say a little small but he doesn't have that explosiveness that maybe you would want out of, out of a right tackle, which is why I think he's a better fit at guard. But the problem is it's where he played in 2021 in his 2021 film was not as good as his 2020 film when he was at right tackle. So I think he translates more to guard, but there are people who will disagree with me on that one and will say he's more of a right tackle. So if anybody that has, you know, sort of a question about whether or not where his position is uh, when there's true debate about it, I'm not, I'm not a huge fan of, but I, I like him. I like him. I don't love him. Cole Strange, I love out of Chattanooga. Off the snap, pfft, the guy's a monster. He apt he, he bullies people. He bullies people at the snap. And when you watch, if you're gonna watch Chattanooga football and you watch a snap, you're gonna know where Cole Strange is. I don't even need to tell you the number. Just you can just watch, watch any Chattanooga football game. And the guy that you're gonna that you're gonna see just absolutely mowing people down. That's Cole strange. That's what he does better than anybody. And I think with him, he also can offer a little bit of versatility. I think he could play center. If you wanted him to, he could play left guard and he can play right guard as well. So either side of the, of the interior offensive line, you want to put him there bang and he'll be, he'll be a fine starter for anything wants to draft him at the next level.
0: Yeah, the funny thing is I was looking for Thierry Munford with the offensive guards on ESPN's you know, draft list of players, and he's actually listed with the tackles.
1: For me, he's not a tackle.
0: I'm just saying. That, yeah, that's, for me,
1: for me if, he's not a tackle. For me, If he's, you're looking for him on
0: ESPN's best available list, going position by position, you'll find him under the tackles.
1: Yep, I know ESPN does things a little bit differently um, than than I do, but for me, he is a guard at the next level. Uh,
0: yeah, so I just wanted to clarify that. So anyway, um, ready to move on to centers here? Yeah, yeah. More, I mean, more like
1: center. Who's well? There's two that I I definitely want to uh, to to talk. Actually, actually, three. Um, I'll talk about this one very quick. Uh, James Enby. I've heard the Jets are particularly interested in him, and it makes a lot of sense given that he was Zach Wilson's center at BYU. So, makes a lot of sense that
0: Zachy. It's Poo- like you saying, "Oh, the Jets are looking into Tyler Algier because he was ex-running back." I'll I'll say this: I saw Tyler Algier in person at that one BYU game I went to, and he was pretty good. So yeah, he was very impressed. He's very impressive. It's not nepotism, but it's just funny that you mentioned that twice, basically twice in a row.
1: Yeah, yeah, and I've heard that Zach has lobbied for MP a little bit. Do I think it happens? No, nope. but he's lobbied for him. That that I that I do know. But um, yeah, there there are two in this class that stand out, and that's Donovan West and Tyler Linderbaum. with West. I'll give my top five actually. So um, James M. Em- Excuse me, uh, James M. P. is my number five. I have uh, Luke Fortner out of Kentucky at four. Luke Wattenberg out of Washington at three. Donovan West at two, and then Tyler Lindebaum at one. With Donovan West, he, he's a bit of a workhorse. He started every game since his freshman year in 2019, has not missed a single snap. He played guard in 2020. It was a mixed mixed bag for sure. Um, and then played center in 2021. He profiles for me best as a center. I know people that view him more as, as, as a guard. I think he translates more to being to being a center at the next level. Um, but it was a just very solid tape, it wasn't anything that blew me away. The center, the center depth this year is not great, so you will probably only see one center that'll go in the top two rounds. Maybe Donovan West will sneak in at the back end of round two, but the one, the, the cream of the crop of the centers is Tyler Linderbaum. And for me, I've graded, I think I've done. I've done prospect analysis now for, jeez, six years. Small sample size, but Tyler Linderbaum is one of the best offensive linemen that I've ever scouted. Wow, one of the best, and I I I was around to study Quentin Nelson. This guy's up there with. Quentin Nelson, he's up there with Zach Martin in terms of the best offensive lineman that I've ever scouted. He's there. He is without a doubt. There are people that are calling him the best center prospect of a generation. And I think that's very fair.
0: Better center prospect since Nick Mangold out of Ohio State. I was trying to think of
1: the centers that probably come out. Said, probably, but the people that I've talked to said, you know, out of the whatever you would call the generation, whatever the 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 cutoff is for the the, the generation,
0: I never know because every every two years we have a generation. It's a matter of position. opinion.
1: It's a matter of opinion, exactly. But with Lind- with Linderbaum, I mean, he was great in 2020. He was unbelievable in 2021. He just took his game. To a whole new level. The thing with Linderbaum, and I think this is where teams might struggle with him a little bit, is he's a plug and play center. He cannot play guard. He can't, you know, tackle, obviously can't play tackle, but centers can play guard sometimes. He's not a guard. You need to play him as a center. But if you're going to play him at center, you're going to get the most athletic center in the National Football League by leaps and bounds. That's what Linderbaum brings to the table.
0: That doesn't sound like a problem necessarily, because, I mean, there's situations where centers can play guard, centers can play guard, but they're like, the thing with multi-positional players is that sometimes they're just, they're just not as good at, either of them like Connor McGovern is a good example of this where he's just like, he's a center and a guard, but like, is he really though?
1: Yeah, It's true. It's true. He's been able to, to, to really hone his craft. If
0: you have a hole at center, then draft a center. Like that's the thing. Right. But if you have a hole at center, you're not playing him at guard also. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And I think, (laughs) I think with, I think with Linderbaum too, and we've, we've mentioned this, you know, it just in passing on, on previous shows, but this is a great opportunity now to bring it up since we're talking about Linderbaum uh, head on here. He's going to have the Cesar Ruiz disease, which is he's a center. He's strictly a center. And teams don't really have an overwhelming desire to splash big on a center. Early in the draft process, I thought this guy was locked and loaded to be a Baltimore Raven. He screams Baltimore Raven. Hard-nosed, great work rate high character, but now there are teams that may not even take him in the first round, which to me is absolutely crazy. There is going to be a team. I guarantee it. There's going to be a team in the back end of the first round, if he even makes it there, because I know there are teams that love him in the late teens and early 20s. There's going to be a team that takes him or trades up to get him. 100%. The Saints did it with Cesar Ruiz. The Jets could do it with Linderbaum. The Giants could do it with Linderbaum. I would not be surprised if there is a team that trades up to get him. He is that polished. Another downside with him, however, the scheme at Iowa is tailor-made for a prospect like Linderbaum. You're not going to get that at the next level. So can he adjust to that schematic change in, in the NFL? But I think he can, because so this guy just is his quality.
0: What kind of scheme was it? Do you know? Uh, zone blocking, your... zone blocking scheme. Well, they do zone blocking in the NFL.
1: Yeah. Yeah. But it was, it was also, there are a lot more, there are a lot more, uh, there are a lot more concepts uh, that they implied or utilized. excuse me. That's the word I was looking for utilized at Iowa that, really were tailor-made to Linderbaum
0: what do you think that you know this might be kind of reaching or even like um presuming but do you think that he was more buoyed by the system or do you think that he's just that good
1: no no he's that good okay he's, he's that good sure he he remind he reminded me of Jason Kelsey oh, that's a good comment that's a good comp and Jason I think Kelsey that's probably the, the, the winning most, center. The most complimentary comp that I could probably give based on current NFL centers, he's a bigger version of Jason Kelsey.
0: That's good.
1: Oh, this guy is an all-pro for the next 10 years. That's pretty sick.
0: And when I, I mean, said uh, when you know. I
1: said Zion was the Zion Johnson was the biggest lock for production at the out of all the offensive linemen, Tyler Linda was a very close second.
0: Oh god, I really want the Jets to take him with one of their first round picks,
1: please. They're not going to. They're not going to. They're too high. They're too He's high. He's so good though. They're the, the the Jets, they're probably they're probably gonna take
0: well see, we
1: are we need an edge rusher, obviously. But I see, I don't know if there's an edge rusher that's gonna be there because you have Detroit is doing their homework on Thibodeau, and you have the Texans that have already done their homework on Thibodeau.
0: Yeah, I mean You're maybe, gonna have like, to hope
1: for a trade out. Yeah. To potentially get Thibodeau. Unless Detroit takes him at two, which I'm hearing is more and more possible by the day.
0: Then probably like a then probably, I mean, people are mocking Ahmad Gardner at four. Me. Yeah. Pick me. I am. It's the number one corner in, in, in this class. People are mocking, you know, one of the receivers of, at either four or ten. Also you are you dry, are you are you mocking pick me sauce Gardner at four and like Drake London or somebody at ten or James Williams? Williams yeah okay
1: Jameson Williams I, I've I know we did the receiver show last week with uh with Jake, but I did watch a little Jameson Williams tape on uh no this was last night. Yeah, last night once the mashes were over and the silly Yankee game was on. Um I did actually watch a little Jameson Williams tape and I moved Jameson Williams up to my number number one wide receiver in the class.
0: Listening to you and Jake talk about Jameson Williams. Like, why is this, this guy not on the jets yesterday? ACL. That's why. Well, I know
1: that's it. That's it. That's there, are, really it. there are no other concerns, but he's yeah, but he's so good. And I, and I I love Drake London. I love Drake London more than most. But Jameson Williams, I decided to put the medicals aside for Jameson because that dude is, he's so special. He is so special. It's ridiculous. But, and if the Jets don't be the Jets, they could have him at 10. <sighs>
0: I just don't know anymore. Anyway, Adam,
1: how confident are you that the Jets are not going to be the Jets and are actually going to do something smart?
0: I or are, you pre- a... are you
1: preparing yourself for the
0: inevitable stupidity? Well, I, I know. I've been trained like Pavlov's dog.
1: Fair. Fair. And, and I, I don't think... Maybe I've told you. I've told you. Um, or we've discussed it. Um, but I'll, I'll just say it. Now, the night of the draft, after the first round is done, Adam and I, we will be here.
0: Doing I bet some you can't wait. Yeah, right.
1: I bet you can't wait. Right after round one is done, Adam, Adam and I will be here. We will be recording our round one reactions, and we will get those out to you ASAP.
0: Oh, not the not best thing about you. Mountain Time... Is that it's going to be like 10 o'clock when the draft is yeah, over. Yeah, It'll be, be
1: 30, 10 o'clock when it's done oh, for you.
0: That's beautiful. I love mountain time. It's the best. Yeah. Yeah. It'll be, it'll be all, all done. The best thing. The other best thing about mountain time is that the Super Bowl ended. I was like, oh, I just have the rest of the night to do stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah. For me, it was, um, try to make it upstairs without falling over and go <laughs> to sleep. I could just play video games. Cause it was like 10 o'clock. It was great. Yeah. Okay. So anyway, let's move on to the AFC South. Sure. Because that is the last thing that we need to do here. Yep. And we'll go in order of finish here. So, sure. starting off with the Tennessee Titans. The Tennessee Titans, I mean, they need a tight end in the draft. That's a given at this point. Uh, I, I think they're not going to be going with Anthony Ferkser if he's still even on the team at this point.
1: Oh, he is. He oh, he is.
0: Well, I don't think they're gonna. They're going to be going with him again, as as their number one tight end.
1: Um, they could, they could, because I think there's there's more needs for for the Titans. They're one of the teams that I mentioned that could need an offensive lineman. Tennessee, yep. boom. Yeah, they, they need an offensive lineup. They could use a linebacker. They could use, like I said, offensive line. They could use both tackle and guard. Corner, corner is the one. The corner oh, yeah. is the one that they have to try and get more help at. So don't be surprised if the Titans decide that at 26,
0: depending on who's there, if they decide to go and take a corner. You think it's desperate enough that they trade up to get a corner? Um, Based off of how Tennessee normally
1: does things, I doubt it. I doubt it, but we've seen crazier things before. I mean, we, we just got to look at what happened when Caleb Farley went out with the season ending injury last year, that secondary fell apart and it was essentially useless. So they need to get a number two corner opposite of Caleb Farley to really try and rebuild that secondary. And that could be an avenue that they could, they go down, but the potential offensive lineman that could be there for them. I think that's an avenue that they go down. I look at Kenyon Green, uh, potentially uh, Tyler Smith, potentially Trevor Penning. Those are guys that I think are going to be well in reach for uh, Tennessee to go and potentially have.
0: Yeah. Um, I think also, I mean, it wouldn't shock me if they take another receiver, like not in the first round but later in the draft. I a need AJ to have Brown. down for them as well. Yeah, it's possible. It's not a it's not a glaring
1: need because they do have Robert Woods. They do have A.J. Brown. But what happens if A.J. Brown continues to be A.J. Brown and miss a chunk of games? Then you're just going to have Robert Woods and...
0: Rubber Woods, repaired... yeah, Woods on a surgically repaired... knee. Yeah,
1: Robert Woods on a surgically repaired knee. Right, right. It's not a gamble that I would be willing to take if if I'm Tennessee, because then you're giving the ball to Derrick Henry forty times a game. Again, again. Yep. And they'll get they'll still give it to Derrick Henry thirty times with AJ Brown and with Robert Woods, but without AJ Brown, it's going to be four. It'll be forty
0: times. Yeah, I mean that is the one way, one surefire way to abuse Derrick Henry and make sure he doesn't play for you frequently. Well, we saw we saw. We saw it in the the postseason.
1: I mean, what? look what happens when you put additional pressure on Ryan Tannehill to win a game with his arm.
0: You lose. Yeah. You lose. Yeah, it's just... I mean, that's probably one of the reasons why the Titans traded for Robert Woods in the first place, is because not only is he a buy low and, like, you're basically trading nothing for him, but also... Every time, like when Derek Henry is out, every team was just like, okay, so double up A.J. Brown, and then who do they throw to?
1: Correct. That's spot on. And Ryan Tannehill does have success to throwing guys in the slot. So don't be surprised if Robert Woods so – we saw Chester Rogers have a pretty nice year last year, very quietly, as the occasional slot receiver for, for Tennessee. So don't be surprised if, if Robert Woods, if, if he's healthy – has a solid enough year. But, I mean, for me, this is just from a fantasy perspective, I I won't be touching Robert Woods at all. I love him. I love him dearly, but I won't be taking him anywhere.
0: Well, that offense doesn't really suit Robert Woods necessarily. No, no. Definitely not. And I'd be interested to see what what Robert Woods looks like outside of L.A. Because Robert Woods was very... He was very good... He was pretty good in Buffalo, but he's very underrated. He wasn't the guy that was on everybody's radars as a number one, as like a number one receiver. He went from
1: being underrated in Buffalo to being just right in Los Angeles to being now overrated in Tennessee. Yep. I think people are expecting him to go in and they're going to solve. There's your your perfect number two compliment to AJ Brown. And could it happen? Sure. But I don't expect it to, especially like you said, Adam with a guy that's coming off of major knee reconstruction surgery.
0: Yep. Yep. But uh, Tennessee, I don't know. I feel like Tennessee might take a step back heading into next season or this season. Um, It's going to be a two team
1: race at the top. It's going to be Tennessee and it's going to be Indianapolis, which team comes out on top. Indianapolis has, they've improved in, in some areas Tennessee has improved in other areas as well. It's going to be close. It's going to be close again in the AFC South.
0: Yeah. Uh, speaking of the Colts, I mean, the Colts, they also need some defensive reinforcements. Um, they could also use a tight end. Uh, McBride from Ohio State seems like a pretty solid uh, fit there in the later rounds because Matt Ryan, we know Matt Ryan loves tight ends. Yeah. But I would love for Trey McBride to go to the jets personally. Uh, As my complete bias take, but I think that uh, the Colts and uh, Chris Ballard should be looking at uh, Trey McBride for his offense.
1: Well, they just paid Mo Alley Cox. They gave him a nice extension. So yeah, they, they they view Mo Alley Cox, pretty highly so they i do. don't know if they're going to be willing to give a first round salary to a to a tight end and they don't have a first round pick so it'd have to be in round two where they would go they would go and do it they lost that first round pick in the uh in the Carson Wentz trade. look how that panned out just just so beautifully um but with the colts i think a tackle for them uh in round two uh, maybe you get a Charles cross there. If, if Charles cross does what I think he's going to do, but there are plenty of people around the scouting industry. I think he's just locked and loaded for round one, uh, corner uh, wide receiver as well, linebacker. Um, and maybe a nose tackle as well. Could be another area next to, next to DeForest Buckner on that, de- on that defensive line.
0: Probably safety also just a whole makeover on the defensive line. Or on the defense in general,
1: in the second in the secondary, possibly, possibly,
0: yeah. I think corner is more
1: of a pressing need. I think they have, I think they're fine at safety. On the pun, yeah, kind of, kind of, no pun, <laughs> no pun intended. I can't, I can't even say that I planned that one, but, <laughs> but I, I, I do think defensive tackle in the interior could could be the spot. Maybe if the Colts go to, and we all, we we also know that the Colts. They always have something up their up their sleeve, Chris Ballard and uh, and Frank Reich. They always have something up their sleeve, so wouldn't surprise me one bit if they decide in round two to go a bit off board.
0: Yeah, and honestly, boards only exist for guys like us, like major boards only exist for guys like us, because every team has their own internal boards. And they may be on what may be on board for them is off board for everybody else. It's a matter of opinion. Yep. Which is why every time when we when we do our mock draft, there are always guys in the back of the first round that we project to go in the back of the first round that go in the second, or guys that we didn't even have on our mock go in the first round. Correct. Yep. Like, I'm pretty sure when in uh, 2020. We didn't have. We had Swift DeAndre Swift going in the end of the first round to the Chiefs, but Clyde ended up going to the Chiefs at the end of the first round.
1: Correct. It was either Swift or it was even Jonathan Taylor for me. It might have been Jonathan Taylor.
0: I don't know if we had Jonathan Taylor going that high. I have to listen back.
1: Yeah, I, I, I'm almost certain that I, I thought I said that Jonathan Taylor was a great fifth for the Chiefs back then. I could be wrong. But well, can I'm you imagine Jonathan Taylor that
0: in that offense? Holy shit! Yeah,
1: that would be, that would be something.
0: But uh, anyway, so the Texans, though, moving on from the Colts to the Texans, this is a team that just has a lot of holes, and yeah, I don't know. Well, before, before
1: we get into into the needs, I want to say this is a prime trade down spot for the. Texans. Oh yeah, definitely.
0: A, a team, team that needs like, a quarterback.
1: Yep, Carolina. I think it's a great example. If Carolina is super concerned about New Orleans potentially trading up over them to get a quarterback, Carolina trades up to three with Houston. Houston accumulates maybe another first-round pick next year. Uh, Some mid-round picks this year, and Carolina takes their guy at quarterback. Saints, they could trade up. They have uh, two first-round picks this year, and they could take those two first-round picks, trade up, and the Texans have two two first-round picks. Boom. Well, three, if we're, if we're including the, uh, the pick they got for Sean Watson. So they have three first round picks, um, in, in this draft, they need help all along the offensive line. They need help in the secondary. They need help on defense and they need a wide receiver. So basically Adam, everything you said, yeah, they need, they need it's the It's the best available player. Whomever that guy is for them at three, that's the guy that they're going to take. I've heard that Trayvon Walker, they like, um, I don't know if that would be the guy I've heard. They've done some homework on the quarterbacks, but I don't know if this is the year that the Texans are going to go and take quarterback based on the way that Davis mills played last year. I think he deserves an opportunity for one year to potentially show that he can be the guy. And if he's not the guy, then you have Kyle Allen that can come in and be the guy for the remainder of the year. And then you look towards next year when you have potentially Bryce young on the horizon. That, that could be the next guy for the Houston Texans.
0: Bryce Young and or CJ Stroud definitely
1: yeah yeah I, I mean personally I'm more, I'm more of a uh, I'm more of a Bryce Young guy myself.
0: Well I mean those guys are just gonna be at the top I'm just saying right we're not projecting the Texans to get the first overall pick already. I mean that would be pretty disingenuous of us but they're the favorites they, they, they are the favorites but I think that um, yeah I mean Davis Mills considering the circumstances he did play pretty well mm-hmm. uh, last year. Yeah, I was impressed.
1: I'm not even going to lie. I I was relatively impressed with how uh, Davis Mills played.
0: Yeah, and it's a little different for Jacksonville, who is a worse team or finished worse than the Houston Texans last year, but their needs are pretty apparent where they need edge rushers. They need offensive line help for Trevor Lawrence. They already did their receiver shopping. Um. Tight end shopping as well. Uh, I think he can use another tight
1: end eventually.
0: Well, yeah. I mean, if everything room, everything room doesn't really stay healthy all that often, and yeah, he's also on mean, a one year also,
1: deal. They also have our good friend James Oshag Hennessy, great guy. That's true, great guy. And they did, they did go make the acquisition of uh, of Brandon Scherf, so that will help uh, interior offensive line. They still need, a, they still need a center. They do need some gar, uh, some tackles. Excuse me linebacker, defensive line, and maybe the secondary as well. They could use some help. Maybe it's safety. Um, but, again, this this is just a pick that it's it has to be Aiden, doesn't it? Like, there hasn't been any report that has speculated that it's going to be anything but. And I've asked around, and everybody is saying the same thing, that it's Aiden Hutchinson.
0: Yeah, how could it not be? Aiden Hutchinson. Yeah. Exactly. How could it not be? If it, if it, listen. I mean, they could go crazy. Where everybody was projecting. I know you. Every time I bring this up, you always say, "Oh, well, we all everybody knew that Baker Mayfield was going to go first overall." The a couple hours. Oh no, no,
1: no! I was, I was shocked. I mean, there were reports like ninety minutes before that draft that Baker was the guy at one, and I still didn't believe it. I was like, "Wait, what?"
0: But everybody thought that Sam was gonna go first overall. Me, I thought Maybe so as well. I thought so for sure. I thought the jets were gonna get Baker, which I would have been pretty happy about. Yep. I know Jake Jake
1: was very much in the same boat that he he thought Darnold was going one and he was rooting for Baker Mayfield to be a jet. And when Baker went one, it turned very quickly to Sam Darnold.
0: Yep. Well, I mean, first it was. Are the Giants going to take Sam Darnold, and then once they did, I was like, "Oh my God, is this happening?"
1: Yeah, I didn't think they were going to take Sam Darnold there. I, I I I always thought that was that was definitely going to be Saquon.
0: And it makes sense for in Dave Gettleman's brain.
1: Well, they they still had Eli at that point,
0: so yeah, yeah, but like, still, whatever. That's besides the point. But I'm just saying, as an example. Where teams can kind of kind of surprise us with first overall picks.
1: The Giants' window at that point was still half open, at least how they viewed it. When the rest of the world was saying, "Yeah, no, the Giants are done," uh, they saw that they had the opportunity to maybe maybe compete, mm-hmm. and was a very weak NFC East. And that's why they took Saquon Barkley, thinking that the running back was going to put them over the top. And he had that unbelievable rookie year, but it didn't help the Giants
0: yeah um i can't think can you think of any other first overall picks that were very unexpected where we didn't kind of like know immediately um let me let me just pull up the uh, the list of first
1: overall picks and i could just i could oh not the not the nhl the not the nhl not not right now um so if I just go look through the you, I'll look at, I'll look at recent history. Um,
0: um, New millennium, I guess, would be recent history for you.
1: I'd be poss- possibly 2013 with Eric Fisher just because it was a tackle and there were three tackles at the top that could have gone one. With Fisher, Luke Jokel, and um, oh, shit. uh, Lane Johnson. Thank you. That was that was the one I was
0: looking for. Um, the funny thing is that Lane Johnson was the one that was picked third out of those three, and he ended up being one of the best probably the best out of those three.
1: I, th- yeah, I, I think the, the answer to your question, Adam, is like the last big shock probably was. Alex Smith but I don't Probably. know if that I don't know if that was more that people didn't think that Alex Smith was a hot prospect coming out because people
0: people did no well, everybody thought but that was, Aaron Rodgers was going to go to the 49ers right.
1: all right everyone thought Aaron Rodgers was going to go to the 49ers to go back go back home and then the year before as well with with Eli because of the whole oh I'm not well, going to go, go play yeah. in San Diego and everyone was just thinking oh it's going to be Philip Rivers and they still took Eli. Yeah. I'm so to th- that, 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 could, that could have been classified as a shock. Maybe, maybe 2015 with Jameis over Marcus Mariota.
0: Well, that's a good one. Maybe. I think a lot of people thought that Jameis was going to go first overall, but maybe that's I just was hindsight. One of them.
1: I was one of them because that was, that was my first year of doing, um, Scouting
0: was 2015. That 2015 draft. You know what? I think I got I got one for you. Mario Williams. I think everybody thought at the time that Vince Young was probably going to be going to Houston.
1: Oh, that's a great one. That's a great one. Or even Reggie Bush.
0: Or Reggie Bush. Or yeah, I mean Jake Long also in 08 at first overall, just being a tackle again. Kind of a weird one.
1: Yeah, but what was the other alternative though for Miami? Was it was it Matt Ryan?
0: Yes. That year, the Miami Dolphins went one and. Did they go one in, 15? One in fifteen? One. No, actually, actually, two thousand eight. No, two thousand eight was the Pennington year. Never mind. Oh yeah, yeah, you're right. You're hundred percent right. Well, they would have. They would have been even better with Matt Ryan. I would have hated that pick, by the way. But. Because then the Dolphins would be good for like the foreseeable future. Yeah, and Matt, Matt Ryan Matt Ryan would have haunted you. Yeah, no. But I'm happy that they took Jake. Jake Long ended up being good, but he I just has in-
1: he has injury problems though.
0: Yeah. I mean, Matt Ryan would have been a solid pick there. I think Matt Ryan probably would have been a with the benefit of hindsight, Matt Ryan would have been a better pick. I mean, frankly, the Jets should have picked Matt Ryan in that draft. Well that was that was the draft two that the Jets had Brett Favre.
1: Yeah, that was the, the year the Jets took Mern Golston, I believe.
0: Yeah. Well, I mean, they could have taken Matt Ryan anyway, because Matt Ryan went third. Right, he went third. He went third. But Vernon Golston. Uh...
1: Well, that was that was the year that I absolutely recall that the Cowboys took Felix Jones over CJ2K.
0: Oh. Wait Did they? Yep. Yep, No. Chris Johnson went 24, and Mike Jenkins went 25. No. We had a pick at 22. Oh,
1: oh. Oh, oh, we had a pick a
0: 22? That Oh, Yeah we had two first round picks. Well, it wasn't oh, Mike? Just- oh,
1: Mike Jenkins.
0: Well, it wasn't just you that missed out on CG2K because Pittsburgh took Richard Menonhall over Chris Johnson. I mean, hey, Richard
1: Menonhall won a Super Bowl. So
0: did. Oh, well, yeah, he did. Oh, he won a Super Bowl. Yeah. Uh, Rashard Menonhall. Another, another name that haunts me in Jets history.
1: But if, if you wanted to go even deeper, um, the Cowboys also took Felix Jones over a guy out of Tulane called Matt Forte. And I believe that was the year that a kid out of Rutgers, who we don't talk about anymore, came out. And then in the third round, I know for a fact, was a kid out of their own backyard in Texas called Jamal
0: Charles that came out. Well, you know, there are a lot of guys in this draft where it's like, oh, wow, how do they fall back this far? Wow. My, Matthew Slater was in this draft? Yeah. He's still
1: in the league. Yep. Matthew Slater was in, was in that draft.
0: Yeah. There were a lot of guys. I mean, I we could do this all day. And I love doing this. Oh, we can do
1: this all day. It is but torturous. I'm See, a sleepy boy.
0: Especially for hockey where uh hugh jessamine oh god hugh jessamine over don't remind me literally literally anybody Dylan claude i want can, can you imagine the, the the rangers with cam fowler and claude Giroux? oh yeah yep yep don't remind me adam
1: you've already made me hungry now you're gonna make me sad
0: oh i'm literally crying okay thank you for listening to this episode of the oh my god I missed them so much
1: <laughs> Jesus <laughs> Jesus I would give you an Academy Award for that performance
0: Yeah no I'm a I'm a great actor Radio professional also professional actor <laughs>
1: Oh, oh. <laughs> It's Adam Gaster He went to Hofstra University He has multiple degrees He is a award winning journalist He is also a man of medical profession having a doctorate and he is a doctor of medical science. And now he is an award-winning actor who has a few Academy Awards in his trophy cabinet. Abby, uh, Abby, my God, I'm thinking about my dog. Uh, Adam, could sometime, could you pull out your Academy Awards for us, please? Well, if I had any. Uh, please, Adam. This is, this is not the time to be bashful.
0: I don't know how you get from I'm a good actor to Academy Award-winning actor.
1: Uh, good actors win academy awards therefore you I are actua- you are a good actor adam
0: just stop stop being bashful i, I, I know you're acting and you're well, doing, the funny thing is a hell of a
1: job you do a, a job at this performance
0: i actually won an award for something i've done like journalistically oh but,
1: i i'm well aware hence why you are an award-winning
0: journalist but i've never won anything for any acting
1: You got to forgive me. I also forgot the most important part. He is a member of the
0: 1% who gets daily emails from the Associated Press. How dare I? Every time I check my Hofstra email, it's just literally all emails from the AP. And it's just so ridiculous. Can you
1: believe this guy is bragging to our faces about being a member of the 1% that gets daily emails from the Associated Press? I mean, this guy is
0: just unbearable. By the way, it doesn't cost any money to do that. You could do that. This guy is unbearable. Unbelievable. You can do that whatever you want.
1: Unbelievable. I mean, money is no object to this guy. It's crazy. It costs Are nothing. You, it costs nothing, he says.
0: Okay. All right. costs literally zero dollars and zero cents.
1: Oh, right, right. That, that That's rich people speak people.
0: Anyway, thank you for listening to this episode of the Basement Talk Podcast Base. You can find all, uh, all of our podcasts wherever you get your podcasts. For my co-host, Ed, for all, I'm Adam Castro. We'll talk to you next time.